Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromolo. And we are just three weeks into this 2021 NFL season. And even though it's still too early to rush to judgment, I think it is pretty safe to conclude that the road to Super Bowl 56 is wide open at both conferences and will be for quite some time. Anybody that was counting on a Bucks Chiefs rematch of the Super Bowl better lower those expectations pretty drastically because absolutely nobody, and I mean nobody, should be shocked nor surprised if we have two different teams at the Super Bowl this season, not just one. Should they hell bent? They should not be shocked at all. And, you know, right now, I think we all love Los Angeles, right? Is that where we're going, David? <laughs> uh, well, Los Angeles, those are just two potential teams. A matchup between the Chargers and Rams would be super, oh. super, super interesting at SoFi Stadium in February. Oh, my God, that would be legendary. But uh, we're, we're talking about lots of teams. We're talking about the Chiefs uh, still and the Bucks still. But we could also be talking about the Packers in a last stance. We could be talking about the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, you name it. Even the Dallas Cowboys could make a run as long as Kellen Moore is still calling those plays on offense. So many possibilities right now. It just goes to show you that you just cannot predict this sport. Not at all. And, you know, I mean, just look at this three weeks into the season and, you know, the Rams, the Raiders, your Broncos, the Cardinals, the Panthers. I mean, obviously, everybody picked those five teams to be undefeated after three weeks, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. But we could easily see that field dwindle down to two, if not one, by the end of this week. Definitely. Yeah, there's some fun matchups this week uh, that we'll get to, I'm sure. But yeah, we get, we've got some fun games going on. And and maybe for, for the first time in how long, Monday Night Football is back as one of the premier games of week four. It's like the good old days, <laughs> the, the premier matchup. I love it. I love it as well, and we will get to that game in just a little bit. But first, let's talk a little bit about what we saw in week three. Why don't you go first? Uh, David, I, I I don't know what we saw in week three. We saw everything. Um, <laughs> you, you, know, you already mentioned Buffalo is back. 2020, Josh Allen made his first appearance in 2021. So definitely a good sign there. Um, Derek Carr continues to be one of the best passers of 2021. I mean, just wonderful there. Um, We hit our upset special last week, David, for sure, with the Chargers over the Chiefs um, and even the Rams over Tampa Bay. uh, Surprising upsets here. So I, I had so many things. And of course, we cannot forget Aaron Rodgers. Back to normal. Justin Tucker, is there a better kicker in the NFL? I mean, that was just amazing. And, you know, I know everybody in Detroit still talking about the expiring play clock on the prior play, play but you know what? Put him back at 71. He would have hit that too. <laughs> you could argue that because uh, Justin Tucker, in my opinion, uh, just kicked himself 
officially into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's only a matter of when he gets his bust and his gold jacket in Canton, Ohio. And I'm glad you mentioned Justin Tucker because this is my main week three takeaway. Watching Justin Tucker kick that historic 66-yard field goal at the gun reminded me that it is long, long, long past time for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Board of Selectors to put more specialists in Canton these next several years. This year, we got Devin Hester in. Get him in on first ballot. Adam Vinatieri should be in on first ballot four or five years from now. And Justin Tucker should obviously be in on first ballot. But that's not all. Why is it Steve Tasker in the Hall of Fame? Why is it Brian Mitchell in the Hall of Fame? Why is it Eric Metcalf in the Hall of Fame? So many specialists that just haven't gotten their due. It is time, isn't it? It is definitely time. And we've seen the rise of special teams, the importance that they play in these games. I'm sorry, these guys belong in the Hall of Fame. They were the best at their position for extended periods of time. They changed the game. They belong in the hall. Yeah, and another person that belongs in the hall eventually, Matthew Slater of your Patriots, easily one of the best specialists of this young century. Yeah, I think that, you know, over under on him beating his dad, Hall of Fame dad's Pro Bowls appearances was a, <laughs> a good bet to take many years ago because uh, who would have seen that coming? But exactly, you know, uh, talk about a special teams player who has been such a huge part of so many championship teams and uh, played such a key role throughout those seasons and in the playoffs as well. Uh, definitely, definitely somebody that deserves consideration for the Hall of Fame once he hangs it up, maybe after this year. And we proceed with some of our other week three takeaways with our favorite game, truth or exaggeration. You know how this works. I will make a statement and Hal will determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start in Pittsburgh where Ben Roethlisberger is literally, literally finished. And the Steelers should highly consider benching him if their offense continues to sputter. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going to say that's an exaggeration. I think Ben Roethlisberger could still be a good NFL quarterback. I think he just needs blocking in front of him. He hasn't had three seconds to scan the field and throw the football all season long. So, no, it's on the offensive line in Pittsburgh. And again, Pittsburgh, you blew it. You took Najee Harris when you had a need on that offensive line with that first-round pick. You should have been looking at the line. You shouldn't have been thinking a running back was going to plug in and fix those problems with nobody blocking for him out front. While uh, they may be hesitant to bench him, I'm going to disagree with you here. Ben Roethlisberger, it is clear he cannot throw that trademark deep ball anymore. He just can't. Like you saw it on that fourth and 10 play late in the game. Uh, he just checked it down to Najee Harris and hoped for a miracle that Najee would break a lot of tackles and score a touchdown. This is definitely a limited Steelers passing game right now. And it's not just because of the offensive line. It's because Ben Roethlisberger has aged. Ooh, bold take, David. Yeah, I mean... I think he's got a little bit of the happy feedback there. You know, I think some of that comes from the protection up front. We're seeing that with some of these young quarterbacks as well. Um, just, 
just look at Justin Fields last week. Um, he got brutalized behind that Bears offensive line. Um, and there's a guy who has the arm for that long passing game and should have, you know, the Bears should have been able to design some plays to take advantage of that downfield accuracy of Fields. And instead, we saw just a dismal start to his career as a starter because of, again, that lack of protection around him and these bad offensive lines in the NFL. That is a fair point, and we will talk a little bit more about Justin Fields very, very soon. But now let's go to a more happier note. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is playing better football right now than the Los Angeles Rams. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going with the truth on that. I mean, they're just dynamite on both sides of the ball right now. Um, they're clicking like I didn't think that they would click. I, I will go out and say yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> I didn't think the offense would be uh, this potent right away. The defense, they played, um, you know, they played a great offense last week, held down Tampa Bay, just a fantastic performance. I really wanted to see what that defense could do because, yeah, they beat the Bears, okay. You beat the Colts, okay. You know, no biggie. Let's see some real competition. Um, and they, they showed what they can do against real competition. And, and again, this is a defense that's still adjusting to new coordinator Raheem Morris, who's trying to keep, you know, some of those Brendan Staley packages that worked so well last year and, and integrate it with his defensive style. So, you know, the fact that it looked that good in week three. Yeah, that's a truth. Rams top of the heap right now. Yep. Easily a statement win by the Rams over the Super Bowl champion Bucks last Sunday at SoFi Stadium. And speaking of Super Bowl champs, the Super Bowl 54 champion Kansas City Chiefs are one and two. Who would have thunk that? And they're in last place to the <laughs> AFC West three weeks in. Yes, I know it's just three oh. weeks in, but nobody and I mean, nobody expected this to happen. And I will go a step further. If the Chiefs do not beat the Eagles in dominating fashion this week, it will be the reddest of red flags. Truth or exaggeration? I think that's the truth. Um, you know, I again, we've, we've been talking about this Chiefs defense for weeks. And, you know, they couldn't make that stop against the Chargers when they needed to. Uh, you know, they were gutted by the Ravens. Cleveland moved the ball with ease against them. You know, I just, you know... Yeah, there's going to be warning flags because, you know, after we have this game against the Eagles this week, next week on Sunday night football, we've got that marquee matchup of the Chiefs, you know, heading um, the Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills. So that's a huge game right there. So, yeah, they've got to show everybody that they can turn this around somehow on both sides of the ball. The offense against the Chargers last week, you know, I, I don't think Mahomes looked comfortable throwing the ball to anybody but Kelsey in that game. And everybody else in that offense is going to have to step up against an Eagles team that, hey, this team can bring a little bit pressure on Mahomes. And if they're not dominating and if they're not, you know, taking care of business in Philadelphia or on the road. Yeah. That's going to raise some huge red flags going into that Buffalo game. And 
it'll be really interesting to see how the Chiefs deal with that uh, if that does happen. Yes, it is clearly in the Kansas City Chiefs' best interest to do to the Eagles exactly what the Cowboys were able to do to the Eagles on Monday night. And if they're not able to do that, there's going to be a lot more doubters regardless of the outcome of that game. And now, speaking of Justin Fields, we're on to the Bears, where Matt Nagy is the biggest impediment to the long-term development of Justin Fields. Truth or exaggeration? Yes, I'm going to say that's the truth right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw nothing that showed Maggie had any clue what to do with a franchise quarterback last week. Um, you know, the fact that he rolled out Andy Dalton ahead of him seemed ridiculous. I still don't understand that. Uh, the offense is going backwards right now. After that win over the Bengals in week two, you thought maybe they can take a step forward. Something good's going to happen. Nope, nothing. Uh-uh. Nagy, I don't, I don't get it. What's going on, you know, but for somebody who came out of that Kansas city system, um, you know, as an offensive coordinator with the, the expectation that, you know, here's the, here's the guru that's going to turn things around here for Chicago. I'm not seeing any of that Andy Reid magic rubbing off on him uh, in his time here, you know, after spending so much, what, five or six years um, with the Chiefs and, and time with, you know, even back with the Eagles as well. So not seeing that Andy Reid magic coming out of this with Matt Nagy. He's got to be on a very, very short leash um, because offensive gurus who are last in the league in offense aren't going to be lasting very long. Not only that, you heard what Miles Garrett said after the game. Miles Garrett said that the Browns defense was absolutely shocked that Matt Nagy did not tailor the game plan to Justin Fields' strengths, and they figured it out after the second series. And what did Matt Nagy do to adjust? Nothing. Nothing. This is a guy that should, as you said, be on a short leash. And heck, if the Bears actually dropped the game to the Lions this week, I'd fire him on Monday. Would you? i don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's shocking to, to see the, the the Bears, you know, forget the decline on defense. I mean, just what's so wrong with that offense and, and all the blame that Mitch Trubisky took in his time in Chicago. Uh, I think there has to be a reassessment here and say, well, wait a minute. Maybe we don't put it all on Trubisky here. You know, now we're starting to see, you know, um, is it Nagy, Brian Pace as well? You know, is should his job be in jeopardy as well? You know, do you want him hiring the next head coach after his track record now? I don't. I certainly wouldn't. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I think you, you've got to look at that because, again, like you just mentioned, you know, he, you, you bring in this rookie quarterback, amazing downfield accuracy, mobility, and you, you, throw out a game plan that's tailored for Andy Dalton like what are you doing like <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me it it was just shocking to see such a terrible performance and I mean it was like I don't know 1950s passing offense or something out there it was terrible it was painful to watch it was it was oh I yeah I 
my frustration is just, well, I, I'm just going to stop talking. I'm just getting myself all worked up here, David. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, you don't have to get me worked up. I saw that tape and burned it myself, as have most Bears fans, but we're not going to forget it because uh, Matt Nagy, you are on the hottest of hot seats more than any other head coach in the NFL right now, arguably. And if you do not straighten up and fly right, you are going to be out of a job very, very soon. And back to those Buffalo Bills who you mentioned earlier in the program. The Buffalo Bills, given not just the reemergence of 2020 Josh Allen, but the way that defense is playing and the fact that according to ESPN numbers analyst Mike Clay, they have the easiest remaining schedule in the National Football League. The Buffalo Bills are therefore in prime position to nab the AFC's number one playoff seed. Truth or exaggeration? No, that's that's definitely a truth. You know, um, looking back on it, I think they're going to look at that week one loss to the Steelers as, you know, that prime missed opportunity um, that'll motivate them the rest of the way. But yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of easy games still to go on their schedule. Yes, they've got Kansas City and Tampa Bay, uh, but, you know, doesn't look like any team in the East is primed to challenge the Bills this year. The Jets, terrible. Um, the Dolphins, two is hurt. Even with him, that offense didn't look great. New England breaking in a rookie quarterback. This is the the rebuild that's finally taking place after 20 years. So yeah, I mean, the bills have got a chance to pile up a, a lot of W's there and uh, make that push for that number one seed. Because again, you're, you're looking at the, the chargers and chiefs still have to play each other. I mean, that's a tough, tough schedule for anybody in the AFC West. They've got to go against Denver twice. There's no easy games out there. So yeah, I, I, I agree the Bills. And, and not only that, I just want to add as well, um, you know, the emergence of Zach Moss looking like he's taking over as the number one running back there and giving that offense that extra dimension that it was missing, uh, you know, especially in that first week when Moss was injured against Pittsburgh and that, that when they needed to run the ball, they couldn't. And now you're seeing Moss, you know, um, just you know, taking that role and, and really making it his and, and looking like a legit number one running back in these last two games here. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a huge, huge, um, you know, advantage for that Buffalo offense yeah. to be able to finally work in that running game like they've been trying to do for so long. And, and like you said, I mean, that defense, you know, yeah, that was a hiccup against <laughs> in week one against Pittsburgh because as bad as Pittsburgh looked, I don't know how they won that game in the second half. And then the Dolphins, you know, let's face it, they couldn't even move the ball against Buffalo. Washington, you know, good team, had them down, garbage. And yeah, I mean, pity the Texans this week is all I can say. <laughs> Indeed. And now on to another one and two team. The Seattle Seahawks, if the Seahawks lose to the 49ers this Sunday, they will not make the playoffs. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, the truth. I mean, again, the West is such a difficult division right now that if you dig yourself into the hole, you know, um, Seattle still has to play the Rams twice. They still have to play Arizona twice. 
Um, you know, they'll have the four, if they lose to the 49ers, they still got to play another game against the 49ers. So there's a lot of tough games on that schedule, just in that division. And yeah, I mean, you, you fall behind three, four, you know, three games in the standings and that's a big hole to dig out of, you know, you know, that, you know, these other teams, there's wild card, you know, wild card potential teams. I think Minnesota is going to get back into it. You've got Carolina and Tampa Bay in the South. You still got the saints that are going to be hanging around all year. It looks like if that fence playing like they played last week, you know, and then everybody in the West is up for it. So yeah, you're just going to run out of spots and opportunities, Seattle. So yeah, I, you hate to say it's a must win in week four, but it's a, yeah, that's a must win game for Seattle. I'm going to go with the truth right there. That is definitely so. And on to the guy who tore them to shreds last week, Kirk Cousins, as we both predicted, the Vikings would win. And Kirk Cousins was the catalyst behind that win over the Seahawks last week. If it wasn't for two plays, Kirk Cousins would be squarely in the MVP conversation right now. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I mean, after losing two games, they should have won. I mean, you can't say Kirk Cousins has been a problem. I mean, take his stats, put them up right against anybody. He's averaging 300 yards a game. He hasn't thrown an interception. He's carrying that team on his back. He's got, you know, Delvin Cook hurt definitely belongs in that and you know still could end up in that conversation depending on how the season goes because yeah they rescued their season and and they did it by you know uh letting kirk cook (laughs) they absolutely let kirk cook and he is cooking indeed and on to the dallas cowboys the dallas cowboys are clear favorites to win the nfc east in 2021 truth or exaggeration Oh, definitely a truth. I, you know, I didn't expect Philadelphia to be, there's there's just too many things going wrong in Philadelphia. Let's face it. The giants are an absolute mess. I I don't know how they just can't get out of the gate every September. They just dig a giant hole and gleefully jump right in and, and never able to dig out of it through that season. And they're doing it again this year. And Washington, I really thought Washington, you know, with that defense would be a legitimate competitor, but that defense has been terrible this season. You give them a pass in week one against the Chargers and say, okay, you know, nobody expects you to beat the Chargers and Justin Herbert, but I mean, you couldn't stop the Giants, the Bills, that game was over after three drives, you know, I mean... (laughs) this was an offense that was a top five offense last season. And now it's, you know, pick your category. They're in the bottom three. It's shocking how they, they have been just terrible. And, you know, again, you're digging holes early in the season. It's hard to, to get out of them. And Dallas, let's face it. You know, we know that offense can score. That offense is what we expected with a healthy Dak Prescott. The defense is much improved. They, you know, I thought week one against Tampa was a mirage. Oh, they'll never replicate that again. And they go and they, they, they hold down the chargers. They hold down the Eagles. I mean, I'm looking at Dallas and saying this defense is overachieving. The offense is where we expect them. Yeah. Book them. They're the favorites by far right now. 
Absolutely. And speaking of that Dallas Cowboys defense, that takes us to our next game called This or That. And you know how this game works, Sal. In this game, I bring up a topic with two potential options, and you choose which one of them and explain why. And we start with that Cowboys defense. What is Micah Parsons' best long-term position in the National Football League? Is it off-ball linebacker or is it edge pass rusher? It should be off-ball linebacker, but he's been so good on the edge. You know, you almost have to look at him and say, they've got to figure out a way to, to use him in both positions. And, you know, you've got to design a defense for regular downs and passing downs. And you're going to say, okay, first down, second and short, you're the, you're the off-ball linebacker. Third and long, you're flying off the edge. And, you know, he's going to have to be some kind of hybrid of that because he's just too good to limit to one position. He's, you know, you're not supposed to have rookies step in and excel at two positions like this. Um, and he's doing both of that. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think for Parsons, you know, you, you can't say a this or a that. It's got to be both. They got to find a way to use him in both roles and maximize him because that's what great teams do with great defensive players. You put them in the position that has the biggest impact and you don't worry about, well, they're this position or that position. You put them where you need them when you need that play made. Definitely hope it works out for the best at both positions for Micah Parsons. He has just been on fire to start his rookie season, which three and O team is the more legitimate contender, the Panthers or the Broncos? Ooh, you know, that's a toughie. Both have great defenses. Um, I am just leaning a little bit towards your Broncos, David, just because I think there's so much talent on the offensive side and those, those offensive skill positions i think they've got a, a little more advantage in the offense and that gives them a little bit more legitimacy i don't think the offense has even scratched the surface of what it's capable of doing in denver and i think it'll be much much improved uh, as the season goes on so yeah I, i'm going to give a little bit more legitimate to the just because i'm not all in on sam darnold right now I, I i like what i've seen the post adam gase bump there in carolina but uh, i still gotta see a little bit more of him in this joe brady offense before i i completely buy in on the carolina offense that is a very interesting take and the broncos offense should definitely get better uh, during the course of the season, especially when Jerry Judy gets back, assuming both Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick uh, stay healthy. Please, football gods, make that uh, 11 personnel package a reality at some point this season. But the Panthers, they have an easier division and an easier schedule. So I kind of lean towards them for those reasons alone, not to make excuses for the Broncos. But like you said, it's a it's a coin flip. Both of these teams are in very, very similar stages of their development, um, given where they're at right now. And what has been the bigger disappointment so far this season, the rookie quarterbacks or the Washington defense? I'm going to say, you know, for the rookie quarterbacks, I expected them to struggle. You know, I maybe not as bad as they've struggled so far, but it's still early. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to see, you know, Trevor Lawrence put together three to four really, really good games. 
as he starts to figure out the NFL at the end of his first season, um, if the Jets can ever figure out a way to 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 block uh, <laughs> any pass rusher at any time, you know, um, we're going to eventually see Zach Wilson show off some of that talent that he has. You know, Mac Jones had a rough game, but still above expectations as far as I was concerned. I didn't expect him to be this good this early justin fields look it's 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 got to get better it can't get worse in chicago and you know lance whether he's on the field or not but but the washington defense i mean that was that was a top defense last year i expected that defense to be right back up there as well um this just isn't a defense that you know you you expect to see just crumble the way it has i mean for me that's just been been such a huge disappointment because it's so unexpected i expected rookie quarterback struggles i didn't expect washington's defense to just roll over and play dead and last but not least in our installment of this or that for week four who will make the bigger impact for his new team richard sherman for the bucks or josh gordon for the chiefs Sherman's definitely going to get the opportunity and has the desperate need there, but don't discount the chiefs. I think, you know, like I mentioned a little earlier, Patrick Mahomes was targeting Kelsey repeatedly throughout the game last week. And, you know, I think part of that was the game plan. The chargers went in and said, Hey, we're taking away Tyreek Hill. He's going to have somebody over him. He's going to have somebody on him this entire game. He's not going to make any big plays. And I think that, you know, a lot of Mahomes is uncomfortable, you know, more uncomfortable than you're ever used to seeing Mahomes back there, you know, credit the chargers defense, but again, he did not look comfortable trying to get the ball to anybody else. He, you know, locked in on Kelsey, Kelsey, you know, Kelsey, obviously the, the number one target, but, um, you know, Byron Pringle, he's not showing confidence there. Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman got a touchdown, but not much else there. There were no big plays coming out of that passing attack. So, you know, a veteran like Josh Gordon with his experience and his ability to, you know, just size up like Kelsey does on smaller players and be able to be a consistent open receiver for them you know as much as it should be Sherman because you know he's a plug and play right right there I think Gordon can be have have a bigger impact um, in the role in in Kansas City because of that desperate need for that that next option uh, for the passing game I mean I hate to say it but you know I didn't think the Chiefs would miss Sammy Watkins as much as they've missed him this year. And I think Josh Gordon goes to, you know, that consistent drive extender, pick up that first down on third down. He steps into that role and all of a sudden that Chiefs offense kind of gets back to normal, I think. So I'm going to, you know, I'm convincing myself it's Josh Gordon. Uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Josh Gordon. <laughs> yeah, you have been saying for a long time that this Chiefs passing attack is an injury to either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey away from being very, very limited. And Josh Gordon is the perfect low-risk signing at this point in the season to help avoid uh, that scenario should an injury arise to one of those two elite 
pass catchers. And now it's time to preview our two games of the week, both at SoFi Stadium, the <laughs> home of Super Bowl 56. We start on Sunday where the Cardinals at 3-0 face the 3-0 Rams for the top spot in the NFC West. And most of the attention in this game is on the quarterbacks, and rightfully so. Kyler Murray playing lights out. Matthew Stafford playing lights out. But another key strength both of these teams bring to the table is their respective defensive fronts. You obviously have Aaron Donald for the Rams, and you got Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Zayvon Collins, who's been playing like a stud so far. Yeah, Michael Parsons is better, but don't count out Zayvon Collins, man. Zayvon Collins is to shape it out to be a stud linebacker too from this year's draft class. He and Isaiah Simmons could be the next great elite linebacker duo in the NFL in the years ahead. So many great people in the defensive front sevens for each team. Do you think it's likely that what whatever team gets the better performance from their front seven wins this game? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. With, without a doubt. I mean, this game is, you know, two high flying offenses. And if you can get that, whatever team gets that other offense out of rhythm, that's going to go a huge way uh, to turning this game around. So, yeah. So for Arizona, like you talked about Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, we've got to see some of that pass rush. They've got to, you know, disrupt Matthew Stafford and because he's just been sitting back there and just picking teams apart. And, like you said, flip it the opposite way as well. I mean, Aaron Donald has the ability to take over any game, any time. And, you know, it, again, is Leonard Floyd going to get on track in this game? You know, is the rest of that defensive front for the Rams going to be able to, um, you know, not only disrupt Kyler Murray, but contain him as well, because he makes so many plays outside of the pocket as well. You'll see that pass rush come undisciplined, come flying up both sides of him. And all of a sudden he can pick a side and work that field and, and buy himself four or five seconds for his receivers to get open. And that's part of what makes him oh so dangerous, let alone tucking the ball and running. You know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so those defensive fronts, it's, it's going to be so, so important uh, this week for both teams to be able to disrupt these high-flying offenses they're going up against. And which of those two defensive front sevens do you like better, the Cardinals front seven or the Rams front seven? Whew, that's a toughie there <laughs> because it's hard to like say. Like this or that. Know, you, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, how do I pick against a front seven that that has Aaron Donald in it, number one? I mean, <laughs> come on, that's almost impossible. But, you know, J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, uh, I, I got to give a little lean to Arizona in this one, I think. Uh, you forgot Zayvon Collins, man. Don't forget it, him. Oh, God, yeah. No, no, you can't forget Zayvon Collins either there. Linebacker. Great, great young player there as well. Um you know, yeah, and I mean, you can't you can't discount anybody there. Isaiah Simmons, it, 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 there's just too many. Yeah, I, I, I've sold myself. You did it to me again, Davey. I, I'm sold on Arizona, okay? Yeah, yeah, I talked myself over to it, even though I wasn't going to. All right. <laughs> and what are some key matchups you're looking for in this NFC West showdown for first place? Well, I, I mean, I think you're going to have to look at, you know, uh, for Arizona, that secondary is, you know, and, and pressure on that front seven to, to help that secondary out. But uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, now Deshaun Jackson yes. as well. Um, 
so many weapons there for the Rams. And heaven forbid you take him away. You got Tyler Higby at tight end. You know, we've seen him go off in the past. 100-yard game, that's not ex- unexpected at all. They'll take whatever the defense gives them. Uh, they have no compunction about that. So for Arizona, that secondary, you know, um, the, the, the Robert Alfords, the, the Byron Murphys, you know, you, you, these guys are going to have to step up, and we're going to have to see that secondary really, really play at the top of their game. Yeah. Byron Murphy is the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week, given his stellar performance uh, last oh, week yes. against Jacksonville with that pick six. But this is an entirely different animal the Cardinals secondary is facing. And another key matchup, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson, who absolutely went off last week for 120 yards. Those safeties for the Cardinals, Buda Baker, and uh, I don't know, who was their other safety, Hal? Um. It's one of the Thompsons. It's either Deontay or Jalen out there most of the time. So, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so Buda Baker and whatever Thompson they trot out, they're going to have to be very careful. Do not let Deshaun Jackson beat you over the top, because if he does, it could mean the difference between a win and a loss and what I expect to be a very, very high scoring game. And exactly. another uh, matchup, speaking of secondaries, let's just switch sides. You're going to see Jalen Ramsey on DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre Hopkins. He gutted through that rib injury last week, but if DeAndre Hopkins is still battling that rib injury, I expect him to make his fair share of big plays, but going against Jalen Ramsey at less than hundred percent, that is a tall order. I mean, yeah. I mean, that you've, you've got to see that as a flipping the switch, another matchup as well. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, we've seen Christian Kirk already make some big plays this year the revitalized AJ green in Arizona. And let's not forget rookie Rondale Moore as well. A, a big play just waiting to happen out there. Um, so yeah, very, very tough matchups for both defenses here. It's really, it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, who can marry that pass rush with the tight coverage in the secondary and not give up any big plays because that could really lead to, one or two stops in the course of the game could be all the difference it's going to take. You said it, Hal. And which of these two teams comes away victorious on Sunday at SoFi Stadium, the Cardinals or the Rams? You know, a tough, tough flip a coin kind of game, I think, here. But I'm going to give the slight edge to the Rams. I think the secondary is just going to make that one stop or hold them out of the end zone and force the field goal when they need to. So high scoring game, but the Rams 39, 36 over Arizona. I agree. And I agree for the exact same reasons you listed uh, the Cardinals secondary as good as it played last week. It is mostly very, very suspect and they have not played an offense like the Rams so far this season and yes the Rams secondary they have their own deficiencies as well but I trust Jalen Ramsey to make a big play to decide the game far more than Byron Murphy I believe it's going to come down to exactly that and Jalen Ramsey makes that big play that proves to be the difference in a high scoring game of 35-31 Rams 
And SoFi Stadium is going to be hopping again one day later on Monday night as Justin Herbert and the Chargers take on Derek Carr, arguably the leading MVP candidate through the first three weeks of the season and the Las Vegas Raiders. But another intriguing development for the Raiders, at least so far this season, has been their defense. According to Pro Football Focus, the Raiders defense currently has one of their top five coverage grades. But that said, you got to take into consideration who they face in the first three weeks. They faced the run-oriented Baltimore Ravens in week one, zombie Big Ben and the Steelers in week two, and Jacoby Brissett in week three. <laughs> if you were a Raiders fan, how concerned would you be about the possibility of this pass defense getting exposed by Justin Herbert and company on Monday night? You have to be concerned about that because, again, talk about an entirely different animal. Uh, Justin Herbert, <laughs> compared to those three uh, situations that the Raiders have faced, yeah, it's it's like for the Raiders the first three weeks with the preseason, and and this is your first real action here where you're going up against a true you know number one quarterback here, a number one offense that uh, is really going to test that that Raiders defense here without a doubt. So, yeah, this is like a you know, this is the test. You know, you you took all the quizzes, Raiders, and you passed them. Now comes that that midterm or that final exam. You've got to step up here and, and show us what we can really do. And and that young secondary, um, like you said, you know, a lot of young high draft picks there in Las Vegas that, you know, really haven't done much in their time there the last, especially last year. So look good so far, but yeah, you know. Pick up your pens and papers. The real test is starting right now on Monday night. And it's just one of several big tests they're going to face for the rest of this season. And when you look at these two teams, they have two of the best aerial attacks in the National Football League. Obviously, being led by two of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL helps tremendously. Two of the five best at, at this moment, arguably. But you have to take into account the weapons they have as well. The Raiders have a top two or three tight end in the game in Darren Waller. The Chargers, easily one of the best route-running technicians of this past decade in Keenan Allen. But outside of Darren Waller and Keenan Allen, who do you think are the most dangerous weapons in the passing attacks of the Raiders and Chargers, respectively? Yeah, well, I mean, the Chargers we saw with Mike Williams, he's a red zone threat all day long. You know, 50-50 battle, give it to him. Uh, you know, Mike Williams can just dominate and take over a game that way. Um, and Jared Cook, the veteran for the Chargers at uh, tight end as well, has uh, certainly stepped up and done his share of extending drives. Again, that 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 veteran that we love to see. And on the other side, for Vegas, those those young wide receivers, that trio. You know, you've got Hunter Renfro, one of the best route running slot corner uh, slot wide receivers in the league. He's a nightmare to batch up against. He you. You look up every game and you say, how does he get five yards open consistently? And you see those moves. He's just so tough to cover. Um, Henry Ruggs, obviously, is a deep threat. But Brian Edwards has really stepped up this year. The third round pick um, has, you know, just exploded onto the NFL scene, looking like a young superstar and the, you know, the, the faith that Carr has in Edwards, I, you know, you see that growing week after week and, you know, he's really going to be a legitimate uh, threat. And, you know, again, with so many different weapons there, you brought up Waller. I mean, it's, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, I keep calling them Oakland. I'm going to do it again. But Vegas, three weeks in, four receivers with over 200 yards. That's amazing. You know, uh, there's just so much depth there. And, you know, Carr is so comfortable throwing to any of them right now that, you know, it's it's hard to to sit there and say, you know, pick your poison. You 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 leave you double one, Carr will find the other. He has no problem with that right now. You said it, Hal, and let me take it a step further. Mike Williams, not only has he been a red zone threat this year and in years past, he has added a dimension to his game this year. Instead of just being a 50-50 ball guy, downfield, bomb, throw it to me, I could turn a 50-50 ball into a 99-to-1 ball or throw it to me in the end zone where I could use my size, he has expanded his route tree, and Justin Herbert is throwing him different kinds of passes that he didn't catch in, in his prior four years in the league. He is becoming a full complete receiver right before our eyes. That is huge because it, it makes life so much easier on Keenan Allen because teams can't just focus on him anymore. And you mentioned Brian Edwards of the Raiders, the trust that Derek Carr shows in him in moments where the stakes are the highest. Who caught those key passes late in the fourth quarter in overtime week one against the Ravens? It was Brian Edwards. Who caught that key pass in overtime on the drive for the game when he did go last week against the Dolphins? It was Brian Edwards. Yes, Hunter Renfro is very, very good. Henry Ruggs is very, very good. But I think Brian Edwards is easily the best of the bunch there because he is just out of this world. Amen, David. Amen, for sure. And, you know, I... Uh, I'm going to, you know, kick myself for saying this, but again, don't forget when we talk about the Chargers passing attack, Austin Eckler yes. out of the backfield, you know, I mean, there's Kamara, there's McCaffrey and there's Eckler and that's one, two, three. And depending on who's healthy, put them in whatever order you want there. But Eckler is right up there as a legitimate passing threat. He most certainly is. And keep in mind, this is Joe Lombardi's offense. Joe Lombardi is the new Chargers offensive coordinator, his previous employer, the New Orleans Saints. He worked with Alvin Kamara, and he knew how to use Austin Eckler from the moment he walked in the door. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, talk about, you know, like, like I said, you know, from Monday night, this is old school Monday night football. You know, the Raiders passing it downfield. The, you know, uh, you think of these old Chargers teams for me with Dan Fouts when I was a kid and, you know, just throwing the ball all over the place. This is like old school magic here on Monday night. This is going to be such a great, great game. You said it, Hal, and now let's talk about our key matchups and give our picks for this potentially pivotal Monday night football game. It's potentially pivotal because in the end, it could really matter in determining who ends up on top in the AFC West by year's end. And when I look at key matchups, if there is one thing on the Raiders defense that I am really sold on long-term, it is the pass-rushing duo of Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. And they're going up against arguably a top candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year if they gave respect to his position, Rashawn Slater and the Chargers. But Storm Norton, I said Stone Forsythe last week. Stone Forsythe is a rookie on the Seahawks. That was my mistake. Storm Norton at right tackle. Whoever they decide to line up against Storm Norton, that is going to be very, very key. The Chargers are going to have to give Storm Norton a lot of help against either Ngakwe or Crosby or whoever lines up from him. The Raiders are going to have to win a lot of their battles against uh, Storm Norton to to make life miserable for Justin Herbert. And the same thing goes for the uh, 
Raiders as well. Uh, how do they contain Joey Bosa? Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a huge matchup there because that pass rush coming from the Chargers uh, means so much. You know, Joey Bosa and Nwosu on the other side, who's so talented and fast that you know. You sleep on him, and all of a sudden, he's making a huge play out there. So strong in the middle, Tillery and Lindvald Joseph, the veterans there. Oh, it's 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 such an exciting matchup down in the trenches for these two teams to, to, to go up against each other. Really excited to see if this, especially this Raiders rebuilt offensive line that had so many question marks coming into the season, how they do against some real competition uh, with that Chargers pass rush. Indeed. And another matchup I have my eyes on, we talked about the potential of Derwin James going against Travis Kelsey last week. I wouldn't be surprised if they put Derwin James on Darren Waller this week. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Darren Waller, again, another another nightmare assignment there for him. But if anybody's going to be up to that challenge, uh, I'll put my money on Derwin James. I would certainly put him on there, see if he can make an impact against Waller, you know, hold down those big plays and keep that offense uh, slowed down. It, it just makes too much sense not to, David. I agree. And who do you think wins this Monday night matchup between the Raiders and Chargers? It looks like a pure coin flip to me. It does as well. You know, I, I have more faith in the Chargers offensive line than the Raiders going into this game. And I think that's my tipping point right there. I feel fairly confident the Chargers are going to be able to hold up up front and contain that Las Vegas pass rush. I'm not sold yet on that Raiders offensive line. You know, they've looked great, but you know, they haven't gone up against many Boses yet either. So I'm going to give a slight edge over there um, to the Chargers. And I've got them winning, again, a very, very close game, uh, 30 to 27 over the Raiders. Boop, 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 boop. We are simpatico right here again. I was going back and forth all day, but in the end, I firmly believe the Chargers should be 3-0 and right now. They knew they let one get away against Dallas, and they responded tremendously last week. And Brandon Staley, unlike Anthony Lynn, he is not going to let the Chargers make the same mistakes twice. He is going to get the most out of that defense against Derek Carr, and it's going to be a rough night for the Chargers defense. Don't get me wrong. Both Derek Carr and Justin Herbert are going to make their equally fair share of big explosive plays. But in the end, I trust Brandon Staley in that defense to be the difference maker in another high-scoring game. And now let's pick the rest of these week four games, starting with tonight's matchup between the Jungle Cats, the Jaguars traveling to Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Northern Bayou Bengals. (laughs) (laughs) Feels good to say that after everybody was giving them crap in the (laughs) preseason. I feel very happy for the Bengals right now. I think they should win pretty handily tonight. Yeah, you know, I I made the mistake, I think, of jumping off that Bengals bandwagon after week two there. And uh, (laughs) when you lose to the Bears, it's hard to get excited about the team. But but yeah, we might be looking back at the Bengals and saying, wow, you know, they they let that one slip away. You know, they should be three and oh, 
going up against the Jaguars. So, yeah, this should be an easy win for the Bengals here. So back on the band bandwagon here, I've got them in a snoozer, 29-16 to 16 over Jacksonville. I am with you. I think the Bengals win pretty easily as well. And how do they do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. The Cleveland Browns traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. I felt very good about picking the Vikings over the Seahawks last week. I feel pretty good picking them again over the Browns and what wouldn't necessarily be that big of an upset given how Kirk Cousins is playing. David, I'm with you 100% on this one as well. I looked at this matchup. I said every reason Cleveland should win this game, but the Vikings, they got the monkey off their back. They're they're digging themselves out of the hole. I, I see it happening, David, as well. I've got a close game, but... I'm going with the home team here, Minnesota, 30 to 24 over Cleveland. Sound that simpatico alert, Hal. Yeah, like I am it, I with like you. it. There it is, the Vikings. Hal and I both like the Vikings over the Browns. I will be at this game on Sunday. The Chicago Bears and hot seat head coach Matt Nagy hosting <laughs> Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions that should have beaten one of the best teams of the league last week in the Baltimore Ravens. Now I am going back and forth on this one. Still, I don't know who's going to start based on what Matt Nagy said this morning. Uh, the, it, it's clearly Matt Nagy wants Andy Dalton to start. And if Andy Dalton actually starts this game, I'm going with the lions. So what? I might be a bears fan, but I want Matt Nagy fired by Monday. I am going with the lions as my upset special. <laughs> David, I'm with you on this. I don't care who they start in Chicago. The Lions should have won the game, you know, against Baltimore. Um, Yeah, they should go into Chicago and win. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. Dan Campbell's got this team. They're going to be pissed off playing this game. They've got this one circled as this is a game that we should win in the division. Doesn't matter who's out there. I'm taking Detroit. I've got it 19 to 10 over Chicago. There's the simpatico alert. Man, we are on this week. We are simpatico, simpatico, simpatico this week. The Washington football team and their disappointing underachieving defense traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons fresh off a last second win over the dumpster fire New York Giants. I think this is the get well game for the Washington defense And given how bad Atlanta is in the trenches, I think Washington should have no problem winning this game, let's say 21 to seven. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's struggling to beat the Giants. I mean, that was an ugly performance. That's an ugly team. They got, you know, they got outgained. They really had no business winning that game. Uh, Washington's too talented to play as bad as they have been. So yeah, get well game. Perfect call for this. Uh, I'll say Atlanta can can make it look closer than it actually is, but Washington 20 to 17 over the Falcons. We're simpatico on all of our picks so far this week. Scary. And, will Whoa. this break the spell? The Carolina Panthers at 3-0 traveling to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. This is the first major test for the Carolina Panthers this season. I believe in Matt Rule. I believe in this team long-term. 
But as you said, I am not quite sold on Sam Darnold just yet. Sam Darnold, he had some awfully bad moments, especially that first half against the Houston Texans for crying out loud last week. And now you got to face a dramatically improved Dallas Cowboys defense that doesn't just have Micah Parsons. Trayvon Diggs is having an all pro start to the year. He is growing into a superstar cornerback. Before our very eyes, and older brother Stefan has to be very proud at what his little brother is doing for the Cowboys. Oh, my God, such astronomical growth that you rarely see for a cornerback in this second season. It take, usually takes more years than that for corners to reach their full potential. But, oh, my God, Trayvon Diggs, you are a rock star this season. And the quarterback difference is the main thing for me in this game. I trust Dak Prescott more than Sam Darnold. Yes, I expect the Panthers to cover the spread and keep it close, but Dak Prescott just makes more plays to win the game. Cowboys 27, Panthers 24. No offense to my man, Luke Combs, one of my favorite country seekers who's a big Panthers fan. Your Panthers might lose this week, but they will immediately get back on track the following week. I'm with you, David. We're still simpatico here. Same reasons. Uh, You know, I'm starting to believe in this Dallas defense. I, You know, injury to McCaffrey. Carolina beating up on Davis Bills, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, not sold yet. I think Dallas is going to have just enough offense uh, to, to make some tough drives in the second half and take this game. I've got it Dallas 24, Carolina 20. And don't forget J.C. Horn out for the, likely the season, too. And he was having an amazing yeah. start to his career. Very, very unfortunate injury. And, yes, they brought in C.J. Henderson, but I don't expect her to fill the void created by J.C. Horn immediately, especially. And the dumpster fire New York Giants traveling to New Orleans to take on the impressive New Orleans Saints, despite all the adversity they face being displaced from their hometown. They're 2-1 and one to start the year, and I think they – Start their year in New Orleans with a bang on Sunday. Saints trample the Giants. I couldn't agree more, David. The the Saints have finally got their homecoming game. You couldn't pick a better opponent to beat up on and celebrate for for four straight quarters of football back in the Big Easy. But definitely, definitely an easy win here for New Orleans. I've got it at 33 to 13 over the Giants. As we said earlier in the program, this has to be the get-well game for the Kansas City Chiefs going up against a Philadelphia Eagles team that might have some talented players on their roster but is, for the most part, struggling right now. You saw it on Monday in Dallas. One of their two touchdowns was garbage time on offense. They only scored two offensive touchdowns. And their first touchdown of the game was on defense, thanks to, obviously, their best defensive player at the moment, Javon Hargrave. And Javon Hargrave could be a big challenge for that Chiefs interior offensive line, but I fully expect Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and company to fully get back on track this week and dominate the Eagles and show the world that the Kansas City Chiefs are still bona fide Super Bowl contenders and serious contenders for the AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs win dominating 35-17. to 17. Yeah, I, I'm with you, David. I, I'm so uncreative. I just picked the score Monday night and just switched out Kansas City for Dallas. 41-21 get well game for the chiefs yes and texans at bills i think this is my lock of the week lock it in baby bills over the texans i'm sure it's your lock as well Hal. oh yes 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 i mean uh we've seen jo- josh allen 2020 is back so yep not even close um this is you know the jv squad up against the varsity uh 38 to 9 buffalo over houston 
And that's just being generous. I could see it 45, 52, take your pick. The 0-3 Indianapolis Colts, a phrase I personally did not expect to be using this early in the season, traveling to Miami to take on the Jacoby Brissett-led Miami Dolphins, who almost came away with a shocking upset of the Raiders last week. But that said, I have a feeling that this is the game the Colts partially saved their season. The the Dolphins just look uh, very suspect. On defense, uh, they just can't stop the run. And even without Quentin Nelson, I think the Colts should have no problem running the ball against that Dolphins front. That'll be the difference of this game. I like the Colts. Um, yeah, you know, it, it should be the get well game for the Colts, but oh, yeah, ugh, ugh. you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, ugh, Carson Wentz out there just did not look well. Yeah, half the playbook written out because he was like a statue back there. Darius Leonard is playing at less than 100%. I, you know, the Dolphins defense that they can step up and steal a game. I think this is a week they do the same thing as well. So uh, I'm leaning to Miami stealing this game 20 to 18 over Indianapolis. First game of the week. We are not simpatico on the Tennessee <laughs> Titans in what should be a gimme. They're going on the road to take on the New York jets, but that Titans defense is suspect and they may be without both AJ Brown and Julio Jones this week against the Jets defense that although they're still young, they aren't that bad. The Jets have a very, very good looking interior defensive line with the uh, Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins, uh, that interior of the Titans offensive line better, better be careful. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I looked at this game and I said, you know, I, I, don't want to count out the Jets because that Titans defense, I just can't buy into that Titans defense. And like you said, the injuries on offense, that's that's going to have an effect on them. But then I thought about it and I said, can the defense stop Derrick Henry? I mean, th- does Tennessee need anything else right now to beat the Jets? And I said, nope, no, that's plenty. Yeah, Jets can keep it close. Tennessee. 24 to 19. I agree. The game is much closer than most people anticipate, but the Titans should eke out a win. So we're sympathetical there. Right. And the Seahawks in what we said was a must win game for their playoff hopes this season, traveling to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers fresh off that gut wrenching loss to Aaron Rodgers and the green Bay Packers. I am actually going to go with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They're going to play like their season is on the line and knowing the fierce competitor that is Russell Wilson and the fierce competitor that is Pete Carroll, they are just not going to let their season go down the tubes this weekend. And plus Jimmy Garoppolo, I am losing more and more and more trust in him every single week. I think the Seahawks defense make just enough plays to force Jimmy Garoppolo into enough mistakes. And for Russell Wilson to capitalize on them, I like the Seahawks. Yeah, it's must win for the Seahawks, but, but, but yeah, San Francisco, um, you know, they're looking at it and they're saying, Hey, we should be three and Oh, we had that game against green Bay. This is, you know, we can, we've got a chance to step on the throats of a division rival this week. I think they get it done. Um, I, 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 
yeah. Just going to go with my gut here, but I'm going to say I see San Francisco taking it in a close one, 30 to 27 over the Seahawks and giving Seattle a big hole to try to dig out of now. The Denver Broncos, although this doesn't apply to you, they feel like the most disrespected 3-0 team in modern NFL history. Yes, you have to consider who they played. The Dumpster Fire Giants, the struggling Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, the struggling Jets and Zach Wilson. Now you got to face Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And a lot of people are saying, no, nah, they might actually stand a chance. Look what the Ravens did last week. They almost lost to the Lions for crying out loud. I'm sad to say this as a Broncos fan, but my expectations for this game are very, very low. The Broncos, they just have too many injuries right now. The loss of KJ Hamler for the season is going to allow defenses, starting with the Ravens, to start to bring their safeties closer to the line of scrimmage to choke off both the running game and the passing game. And they're probably going to be down both of their starting guards this week against that interior Ravens defensive line. Uh, the defense might keep it entertaining for the for the first half, but I think Ravens just pull away in the second half. Ravens 27, Broncos 10. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, Ravens lost to the Raiders in overtime, kept it close. You know, really shouldn't have beat the Chiefs. Had no business beating the Lions last week. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing a little fast and loose with their luck right now. Uh, I'm leaning on that. Denver defense. David, I told you last week against the Jets, no worries. Wasn't even close. Believe in me, Denver's got it this week, David. I, I see them winning low scoring game, but slowing down that Baltimore uh, rushing attack, holding the passing attack in, in check and walking away with a 20 to 13 win over the Ravens. Oh my goodness. Hell we were simpatico on the straight up part for the Broncos the first three weeks, just not on the spread, but we are not simpatico on the Broncos in week four. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who exactly has the last laugh on this one next week. And the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Lambeau to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who are finally playing like it is indeed their last stance. I think the Packers uh, continue this. The Steelers, I think they get a boost from their defense this week with TJ Watt returning, but that won't be enough. It's, in the end, the Steelers will keep it close for about three quarters or so, but Aaron Rodgers pulls away in the end, 24-13 Packers. Yeah, I don't even think it, it's going to be that close, David. I think it's going to be a blowout right from the beginning. Um, Green Bay is just too much for the Steelers team right now. This might be the, the beginning of the long-awaited Steelers rebuild that first year under 500 with Mike Tomlin. It could be this year, so uh, yeah, Green Bay in a snoozer, 30 to 10 over the Steelers. And last but not least, this is the game that many people are talking about as if it's the game of the week, but really it's not even the third best game of the week. No offense, but not even the fifth best game of the week. We're simpatico there. We're simpatico on that as well, but it's historic. Tom Brady making his return to New England for the first time in a non-Patriots uniform as he and the Bucks look to get back on track against the New England Patriots and Mac Jones. And uh, it definitely looks like a Gronk should be fine for this game, which is huge. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure how much Richard Sherman will play in this game. Uh, 
but uh, getting him for that secondary is a huge boost because they were clearly, clearly, clearly missing Sean Murphy bunting and uh, their depth at corner was a huge question coming into the season. I think Bill Belichick makes this game interesting because he knows Tom Brady very, 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 very well. But in the end, the quarterback matters more than the head coach. Belichick and the Patriots keep it close, but it's not nearly enough in the end. Patriots lose 27 to 16. I couldn't agree more, David. I, I Very close to that score as well. You know, it's the players are between the lines that make the difference. And if you're going to pick the top 10 players in this game, you know, <laughs> How many of them are going to be from Tampa? You know, is it going to be eight, nine, the top 10? I'm not sure in this. So, yeah, for all the hype and Belichick versus Brady that I'm already living through this week, that's so nauseating. uh, Let's face it. It really comes down to the extremely talented on both sides of the ball, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against a New England plucky team with a, a good defense an offensive line that's been underachieving and a rookie quarterback. So Belichick might make a few stops, but it's going to be an easy one. Tampa 30 to 20 over the Patriots. And now on to our bold predictions for week four. And I will go first. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have picked up right where they left off at LSU. They have connected for four touchdowns already this season, and they will connect for four touchdowns on Thursday night alone. That is my bold prediction. Ooh, I like it. I'm going to go a little outside of the zone as well here for my bold prediction. Um, You know, we were expecting this big, big game between um, the Rams and Arizona. And, you know, my bold prediction, we talked about all those matchups. But, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about is that Rams rushing offense because they haven't had one this year. There's nothing there. But this week, the man, the myth, the legend, Sony Michelle, 120 yards on the ground, one big 50-plus yard run, three touchdowns all coming from him. Nobody's going to see it coming. Grab him for your fantasy team. The secret bold prediction, the star of the game for the Rams will be Sony Michelle. Oh, that is very, very bold. I like it. And last but not least, it's time for our challenge flags. Why don't you go first here, Hal? All right. I, you know, I kind of touched on this earlier, but Minnesota, you know, come on. Don't let that season go away. I'm picking you in the upset this week. Mike Zimmer, keep that momentum going. Offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak, keep putting it on your quarterback. Let him carry that team. Um, Zimmer, you figure out the defense. Get enough stops, but challenge fight. Come on, Mike Zimmer. Minnesota, let's get back to 500. Let's push for the playoffs. We need some of that excitement coming out of the Midwest here. Come on. My challenge flag goes to the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers in that Monday night game. Give us a game for the ages on Monday night. You heard how hyped Hal and I are about this game. Give us one of the best Monday night games we have ever seen. And it is a shame the Manny cast isn't available this week for this game. Oh my God, ESPN, what are you thinking? The Chargers and Raiders, this has the potential to be one of the most memorable Monday night football games ever. Give it to us and show America that you mean business. 
Hal Bet, ladies and gentlemen, from bostonsportpage.com and fullpresscoverage.com. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBets01. Thank you very much, Alan. That's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back same time next week to recap week four, preview week five, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And also don't forget to visit the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. For Hale Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you, 100% promise you that it will literally help save your life. But if you don't want a vaccine, please do whatever is required to protect yourself, your friends, and your loved ones. Take care, all you cats, kittens, and stay cool. <laughs>